What an honor and a pleasure to just get to carry good news to people that need to hear it. You know? I mean, that's pretty much what we do. We just get to bring good news to people. And it's not just good news, it's power. Right? We get to bring something to people that's powerful. We get to bring something. It's like a seed. It's like a, it's like a new... It's, it's, a, it's a new engine. It's a new battery. It's a new heart. It's that new inner core that you get to bring to them and bring to them something that is a compass that will guide them the rest of their lives. I, you know, what an honor and a pleasure to just be able to take good news to people and not just information, but the power of transformation. The power of transformation. I mean, it's just so profound in my thinking right now. That's what we get to, we get to bring, it's like we get to start a fire inside of people that just brings life. You get to place something in someone's heart that, that, that leads them to a place of integrity and character and compassion and generosity, you know? It does it itself. That's what the gospel does. It's what the spirit of the living God does within someone. It just, it changes people, you know? And, and what it can do to a nation, an island. It's awesome. That's why, that's what we want to do, right? That's all we want to do. We don't, you know, it's not about, gosh, church has been perverted from the goal. It has been off course for quite a while. It has been uh, carrying the wrong message, making people focus on their physical performance rather than their spiritual identity. And if there's anything that we want to do in this place when we minister and when we talk to you, we want to talk to your new man. We want to talk to how God sees you. We want to minister to and reaffirm and shore up who you are in your spirit so that you know. You know, that's why it's so exciting to sing about being a child of God, because I'm proud of my father. I'm proud to be in that family. It means something to me. That name, being a child of God, carrying the spirit of God within me, I'm proud of that. It means something to me, and I want to represent him well. I want my life to not be a distraction but those of us that carry this message or, you know, those of us that do it, we all do it. We all carry this message. But we want to do it with integrity. We want to do it with character. We want to do it with fruit. We want to do it in truth and righteousness and peace. We don't want to be a distraction. And, and the only thing that can get you to that place is allowing the gospel to bear fruit within you. The gospel specifically that he who knew no sin was made to become your sin so that you could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Everything we do is geared toward that, is to help you understand who you are so that you will not constrict the power of God within you, so that you will look to God and trust him. We're painting this picture and making God as beautiful as possible so that you will appreciate the beauty of him in Christ and let it affect you. We can't do anything for each other but point each other to Jesus. He is the power. He is the change. He's the transformation. He's the righteousness. He's the peace. And he's not the ruler that needs to be pleased 
and appeased by performance, your performance will change the more you know who you are in Him. It just will. That part will take care of itself. But for far too long, the church collective on the body on this planet has focused on the wrong side, the physical side. Talking about doctrine. Is doctrine important? Absolutely. Talking about behavior. Is behavior important? Absolutely. Talking about social justice and all these kinds of things. All of that needs to be dealt with, but they're secondary to identity. They're secondary to understanding and knowing and owning what Jesus has done for you and knowing who you are in that body. I mean, you, you are better in every way when you know your role. You know who you are as a husband, as a wife, as a child, at your job, in law enforcement. I mean, look at what happened in, um, in Coweta County yesterday. 700 law enforcement from 40, 42 or 47 different uh, counties or agencies, I don't know how to say it, but came here and controlled the situation in a good way. I, mean, I don't know if anybody in here is, was on the ground specifically in that situation, but my goodness, I, I watched some guy's live stream, right? For those of you that, I don't know how you can't know, does anybody not know what was happening yesterday? Okay, so we all know what was happening. A bunch of bigots tried, tried to have a rally to state their opinions yesterday, and it just got shut down. It just got shut down. And in other areas, huh? A lot of prayer, yeah. A bunch of people went down and prayed in the park the night before. It's, it was just so beautiful. These knuckleheads up there with their, they say they're not a supremacist, supremacist group, but, you know, whatever. But they're up there spouting their stuff, and it's like all these chalk painting, all these chalk drawings. Yeah, I'm sure we've all seen the photos. Even CNN, who, you know, loves to attack southern towns, said... Noonan banded together and doesn't want this happening in their community. Praise God. Well done. But the law enforcement, right? The law enforcement was the reason it succeeded. It went the way that it did. Because, I mean, I watched this guy's live stream. He was going in, and they were checking people in to go into the protest area. Now, I don't know a lot about event management, but when you can control it to the degree that you screen people before they go to the area that they're supposed to, because usually it's just a chaos, right? I don't know if you remember, I think it was, was it Charlottesville? Well, how they, how they did it. And, you know, you can't really throw the law enforcement under the bus. I'm sure they were scrambling, trying to do what they could. But they marched all the, the group that was protesting on the, the bigot side, right, I mean, like in a space as big as the stage to the front row, right past all the anti-protesters. So they, you know, that's like the two hate groups right next to each other in one line. And that's, that's why it got so bad. People were, you know, car rode through. But anyway, I was incredibly impressed by the way that it was handled because they, they, they functioned in the role where they knew who they were. They knew their job and they executed their job. And I think only 10 arrests happened, and it was mostly people that were either blocking traffic or, or um, yeah, they were wearing their masks, which they, you know, they said that, because if you don't know Antifa, who they say they're anti-fascists, who 
don't want people to have exercised their right of free speech, but they're anti-fascist, you know, so. That's like saying uh, Trump is the next Hitler. Let's give him the power to take all our guns away. Wait a minute. That does, something doesn't add up. Yeah. They're anti-jobs. They're anti-moving out of their mama's basement, you know. Anyway. But to roll this into where we're... Oh! Pat and Kelly. Or uh, Pat and Samantha. Pat and Kelly. I always want to call you Kelly. That's your last name. Pat and Samantha are here with, it's not, it's, the full name is Anthony Michael Kelly. Show them some love. Another baby. How's he doing? He's sleeping. That's awesome. Bring him to church. Let him hear it get loud. I haven't seen him yet. Huh? Oh, I have. I came to y'all's house. I don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> the world needs to see a body of Christ that knows who they are and representing God properly. You know, you look at how this, the law enforcement executed their jobs. I mean, almost flawlessly, right? And... That's what the world needs to see. The world needs to see a body of Christ, not in an army mentality, but in a family mentality, knowing their roles. You see a healthy family together, and everybody knows their role, and everybody's functioning and working together, it's a powerful thing. And it's by that love, our love for one another. And honestly, it's the world even looked at Noonan and saw how you know, people came together. That's impressive. People love to see collaboration. Collaboration is inspiring. And when the motive for our collaboration is a common father, they want that father. And that's our job, is to represent our father so people realize, wait a minute, this is a family thing. This isn't a religious set of rules that I have to live up to to be accepted by an angry God. You know, we're changing the way people see God. We're dismantling the mindset that God has to be approached with your head down, on your knees, feeling bad about yourself. No. I mean, what parent wants their kid walking up to them that way? Pick your head up. What's wrong with you? You know? So where we are, we're talking about this prayer series. Two weeks ago, I talked about our ambassadorship, that we are ambassadors for Christ. Christ it says that in, in 2 Corinthians 5, God... That, that, that we are here in this moment instead of Christ. Number one thing to wrap your head around. You are just as effective and powerful as Christ himself on this planet. You are here representing him. An ambassador is fully equipped with the full support of the sovereign that backs it. Full rights, full power, go represent us right? You're powerful because your God has placed his power within you. Now, there's so much sin in the church, I think, again, because church is focusing on sin. You get more of what you focus on. 
well, should we not just think about sin? Well, I hope you don't. You know, it's like this message is not light on sin. It just says you're going to continue in it if you talk about it all the time. So talk about who you are because you're going to do what you think, specifically who you think that you are. So today, you know, I don't, I don't have a specific teaching. We're actually going to read a lot, and we've got time to do it. So what I want to instill in our minds today and have you thinking about is coupling the idea of ambassadorship, right? God, you're, you are here. You are representing God. God says, go into the world and tell them that I'm not holding their sin against them any longer. Why? Because Jesus is the perfect sin offering for the entire world. All that means is Jesus removed the thing that was between man and God and absorbed it completely. Now, if you enter in through him, you have the same kind of relationship with the Father that Jesus does because he is your acceptance with the Father. And not because God needs to be appeased by blood, but it's a life exchange, exchange that happened. You can't live in perfection without being made perfect. You cannot live up to perfection on your own, so you have to allow Christ to make you perfect, make you acceptable, make you worthy of let's just say, resonating on that part of the life spectrum, right? He does something within you with his own life that makes you capable of living eternally in imperfection. And it's a powerful thing. This is what we get to give people and let that thing jumpstart. So, you're ambassadors, but we're also kings and priests. This is where we're going today, so kind of just... Just sit back and let me just read to you. We're gonna maybe I don't know. Maybe we'll have story time. Just consider this story time today, right? Or you're gonna hear a story a little bit, but I want you to inject yourself into this story because you're a huge factor. All right, Revelation five nine. By the way, it's not Revelations. I know there's some s adders that can't help it, but <laughs> Revelation. And they sung. Now, this is after, it's, it's after the spiritual side of what Jesus did. So this could be applied to now because the fulfillment of what this particular chapter is prophesying is the lamb being slain. A lot of people think of Revelation and they think everything in it is future. But it's not. Not everything in it is future. A lot of it in there has actually already been fulfilled in prophecy. And one of them is that Christ was slain. Christ was the sacrifice that was slain. So this applies to now. And they sung a new song saying, You are worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof. You were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and has made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign on the earth. You ever feel like the world is just swallowing you up? You should be reigning on this earth. Now, don't get carnal and think that that means that God owes you a mansion. That's not what we're talking about. Reigning in this life means you are walking, experiencing the influence of God, walking in righteousness, peace, and joy first and foremost. Amen? And then, then you couple all these other things to it that, He's made you great and precious promises so that you would be a partaker of his divine nature. He's given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He wishes above all that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You can't take that aspect out of it. So part of you reigning in life 
as you are experiencing everything that every New Testament minister preached that he wished you had or prayed that you had. Paul, Ephesians 3, that you be strengthened out of God's glorious riches and your inner man that you would know the love of God. You know, all of that stuff applies. So reigning in life is all those promises. But do you see yourself as a king and a priest stepping out of the kingdom of God into this world with the full backing of your father, your, your power, your judge, your authority, knowing that you're accepted in him, but knowing your role on this planet as a king and a priest to reign in this life. Again, I'm, I'm not going to try to make, give you the final thought on that. I just want to kind of get you thinking in that direction, and we'll let the Holy Spirit stir some other things up in you. Good with that? Romans 5.17. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more, say much more, those who receive the abundance of grace of the gift of righteousness, it's to be received, you have to receive it. Have you received it? The abundance of grace of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Reign in life. Are you reigning or are you just surviving? Your God wants you to reign, and he will equip you and empower you and bless you and bless you and strengthen you and lead you and guide you and shape you and mold you and transform you so that you are a vessel that will allow him to be all those things for you. It's a process. It's just like any process, any process that you submit yourself to, to for an expected end, so is experiencing reigning in life. I mean, you're accepted by your father. You've got your ticket punch, so to speak, if you've said yes to Jesus. But are you allowing him to build you into the type of representative that this world needs? That's why you stay out of sin. That's why you are generous and serve and all of the things that Christian life is supposed to be about because you want to represent him. But those should be a natural outflow of what you've allowed him to do because you know who you are. Amen? All right, story time. You ready? Hebrews 7. We're going to start in verse 11, and I'm just going to kind of read for a while. I just, I just want you to think about these things, and, and the, the, the purpose of going through this element is if you are a king and a priest, you understand your priesthood, you understand what a priesthood even is, you understand the role of a priest, and he juxtaposed, you know, Paul is saying some things. There's, going to, there's some things here that Paul, or whoever wrote Hebrews, probably Paul, it says here that probably would have infuriated the religious uh, structure of the time. The people carrying the authentic word of God, representing Jehovah on this planet, when it was time to shift from the old to the new covenant, the old priesthood to the new priesthood in Christ, there's some things in here I could imagine they would have an incredibly hard time with. So here we go. If perfection could have been attained through the, the, through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. 
I mean, I really could stop and there's, I'm going to read so much that I'm going to have to control myself because I could preach 27 sermons in this. The law changed. All right. Verse 13. He of whom these things are said belong to a different tribe. You know, legally, Jesus wasn't even qualified to be a priest. He wasn't a Levite. He was, a, he was from the tribe of Judah. And no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar, for it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah. And in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation of his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. It wasn't being born into the right family that qualified him to be a priest. It was on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. That's what you represent. You're a priest and a king in Christ. So add to this in your thinking here. As we're reading about the priesthood of Christ, realize you are in him. As he is, so are you in this world. You're not the Messiah. You're not going to become a God. But you are in Christ with the authority. You are a joint heir with him. You have been raised with him and seated in heavenly places. That's not resurrected. That's position of authority. That's saying, Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm giving you every ounce of authority that I have, that a man can have on this planet here. Now go. It's a big deal. And what backs that is the power of an indestructible life. You want an indestructible life? For it is declared you're a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. Moses, everything Moses did, everything they've been doing for hundreds of years, this guy shows up, I ah, setting it aside as weak and useless. Can you imagine? People are still struggling with that today. You, you say this in church, in some areas, you call the law weak and useless. You're a heretic. You're preaching that greasy grace. You're hyper grace. You're, you're in error. You need to get your doctrine straight. Okay, well, let's just keep reading. For the law made nothing perfect. Do we hate the law? No, we don't hate. We love the law. It did its job. It showed us we needed Jesus. For the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. You carry that better hope. You are going to introduce this better hope to these pastors in Tortola. You are a priest and a king being sent down to that island to represent this indestructible life to give them hope. It's as if Jesus were going there physically himself. And it was not without an oath. That means an oath is, is that it's sworn, it's eternal, it's everlasting. If you read in the commentary, I don't have time to go into that. But others became priests without any oath. But he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You're a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a, new, of a better covenant, a better covenant, now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them 
from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men and all their weakness, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son, who has been made perfect forever. Now, I hope you're seeing two things in this. One, how incredible the priesthood of Christ is on your behalf in this moment, and your shared authority with him to be this for this world. All right? Hebrews 8. Y'all good? You getting something out of this? So now the main point of what we're saying is this. We do not have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, who serves in the sanctuary. The true, yeah, we do, I'm sorry. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not a mere human being. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, so it was necessary for this one to have also something to offer. If here, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of what is in heaven. He's building this heavenly authority. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle See to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is a mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. The new covenant is not established on Jesus doing something for you, opening the door, and then you maybe working your way into it. It's established on promises. It's established on God committing himself to you to be your God, to be your deliverer, to be your provider, to be who he is so that you can experience that and be shaped and molded and built into what his spirit does. You are the proof that God himself is righteous because he's made you righteous. Somebody shows up at your house and, you know, as you need a plumber, somebody shows up at your house, the proof that they're a plumber means that they can fix your toilet right? Like if they can't do that, they're not a plumber. The proof that God himself is holy and righteous is that he's made you holy and righteous. Now he exists in and of himself. He doesn't need to prove himself, but you are his workmanship. You are what God makes to say here, this is, this is, this is what I've made. I've made them holy and blameless and perfect in my sight because of what Christ has done. Man, I'm, I'm feeling it. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God who found fault with the people and said, now this is a prophecy, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make my, make an, I think this is uh, Jeremiah or Ezekiel, I didn't look it up, Jeremiah 31 probably-ish. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. 
I will make, I will not, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds. This is huge because now obeying God is an intuitive expression rather than a reading of a law written in stone and doing that thing, right? It's more about you know God inwardly. You know the right thing and the wrong thing. You know the expectation of God within you. What you don't know is who you are and that you can naturally live within that expectation, that you can naturally rise to the occasion and live within the holiness and the righteousness that you've been given in Christ. We don't know that because we haven't been taught that and because we don't see it in our own performance. And we evaluate ourselves and we let other people evaluate us based on our track record rather than adopting who God says we are. And then we just keep repeating the cycle because we think that's who we are. Are you with me? And write them on their hearts. The deepest part of who you are has God's moral, his civil, everything written within him. Everything that, that he expects is written within you. It's natural for you to live godly. In fact, if you're still continuing in sin, it's because you're doing it by choice and it's counter to your actual nature. You're choosing it. I'll put my law in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest for I will forgive their wickedness. I will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. You represent that. You represent a new covenant. You represent a new order. You are the boots on the ground to establish that new order. The kingdom of God has been brought near by Christ the Lord, and it is continuing to grow and be established and developed in the hearts and minds of his people. That is where the kingdom of God is growing. It's growing in, his mind, in, in us. And so what we do is we live out of the influence of that kingdom and have an impact on this world around us. But it's because we're allowing his truth, his law, his, this inner thing that he's done inside of us to lead us and to influence us. And as we simply follow God, we change the world. In fact, this world is actually designed to respond to mankind. Like there's all these things that you could go into and with quantum mechanics, they're realizing that human DNA affects photons. They did this test and I've mentioned it before. They, they, they took human DNA and then they took photons and put it in a vacuum and they wanted to see how DNA was affected by photons. And what happened is the photons rearranged themselves as if they were being told what to do by the DNA. You could say it that way. They responded to the DNA rather than the other way around. Just the presence of a human on this planet 
affects our physical surroundings. There was a test done in Washington, D.C., where they got together, and I think it was 1% of the population. They, I forget. It's, you can look it up. It's very well documented. Washington, D.C. wasn't even a Christian organization, just the authority of man on this planet. They took the time, 1% of the population in Washington, D.C., got together for a week, and every day they meditated on the crime rate dropping. It dropped significantly. As soon as they stopped, it went right back up. Now, you know, there might be critics to that, but just the fact that humans gathered their mind toward one focus and it affected the world around them. How does that work? I have no idea. It's what happened in Noonan, yeah. Shut it down. What if the body of Christ on this planet, imagine this, every Christian on the planet at one time decided to actually love their neighbor, forgive the people in their past, and just allow God to do within them what he wants to do within them. What would happen? And it won't happen unless we represent him well. You have to know who you are. You have to know your place in the body of Christ. You have to be proud of your place in the body of Christ. You have to take responsibility for your place in the body of Christ. You cannot take this salvation lightly and just use it as an occasion to the flesh because you're free because God's already judged you in Christ. No, don't do that. Use it to allow that freedom to build something within you. I mean, daily, every day, meditate on what God has done for you. Who am I? Who am I in this body? Who am I in Christ? Who is God on this planet? How am I representing him? Don't beat yourself up because you think you're not representing him well. Just realize inside of me is where the change has to take place, and I will yield myself to his influence. I will take his words and his... I mean, the law is good. It's still instruction. It's excellent. You put it in your mind. You put it in your heart. You hide it in your heart. Your inside is like a garden. You put that word in there. You meditate on this idea. Pick, it, pick, any, pick one. Pick anything in the area of your life and find something in the Word of God that relates to that and hold it, not thinking I don't have it so I have to get there, but this is a promise that God has given me that He will be this in me and through me, so I will yield to this. I will, let the, I will cultivate His Word within me, and it will change me. Your heart will grow whatever kind of seeds you're putting in it, fear, worry, death, codependency, Substance abuse, righteousness, peace, joy, faith toward God, love towards your brothers and sisters, generosity. Whatever it is, it's going to grow. What do you want growing inside? The more you know who you are, the more you'll just yield to it. I mean, I'm excited to see. And I see the fruit here. I mean, I see people just going everywhere. I mean, who are we sending out next week, you know? And even in the city, I know that you guys are working on building up your Thursday night uh, gathering for people struggling with addiction. You know, I'm telling you, don't forget it. But this is not just a one-time thing where it's like, oh, we announced their meetings on Thursdays. No, help them. Get out there and find people that are struggling with substance abuse. You talk to somebody in a grocery store and, I don't know, it's kind of, you know, did you do drugs today? I don't know how you figured that out. But... <laughs> You know, God will somehow lead you to a place where you can help them help them, right? 
because we just want the world to see who God is and know how good he is because if they will let him love them, their life will radically change. Their life will be a reflection of righteousness, peace, and joy. Amen.